portion of God's word that we will focus our attention on for a few minutes this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11. Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. When the devil left, when the demon left, the the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. But some of them said, By Beelzebub, the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. Others tested him by asking for a sign from heaven. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I say this because you claim that I drive out demons by Beelzebub, Now, if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your followers drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you. When a strong man fully armed guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, He takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up the spoils. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. When an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that man is worse than the first. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. He replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Let's pray. Rise, my soul, to watch and pray. From your sleep, awaken. Be not by the evil day unawares or taken. For the foe, well we know, is a harvest reaping while the saints are sleeping. But while watching, also pray to the Lord unceasing. God protects you day by day. Strength and faith increasing, so that still mind and will shall unite to serve him and forever love him. Amen. We are blessed to live in the country we live in. When you hear the word guard, you think of an interior offensive lineman or the short guy on the basketball team. Maybe your mind is going back to a childhood game of capture the flag. But when you hear the word guard, you're you're thinking of sports and childhood games. You're not thinking of of war. You're not thinking of of a scene from the, the border between Azerbaijan and Armenia just a few months ago. You're not thinking of tanks and troops marching into villages and communities You're not thinking of men defending their homes, defending their cities. You're you're not thinking of armed men being overtaken by stronger 
armed men. Again, this is a blessing. It's a blessing to live in a nation where we are at peace. But you don't get war. And neither do I. You realize that next year, in 2022, it will be 50 years since the last American male was drafted into the military. 50 years. That's, that's a long time. For 50 years, our military has been purely volunteer. The, the need to enlist men it hasn't been there. That is a wonderful thing. But again, unless you volunteered to serve, you don't get what Jesus is talking about. Not, not personally. This morning, we hear Jesus use this picture of guarding. Not in our 21st century American context, but in a military context. He uses it twice, and you heard it once. You heard Jesus talk about this strong man who's guarding his house, guarding his possessions. But you didn't hear it the second time because our translation changed the word. At the end, when the woman cries out, blessed is the mother who gave you birth and who nursed you. And Jesus replies, no, blessed is the one who hears the word of God and guards it. Jesus uses the exact same word that he used telling the parable about the strong guy guarding his house. Our prayer this morning is that as we navigate Jesus' words, we would have an understanding of the connection between the words Jesus uses. This military picture of guarding something precious, something that is a possession. You might have picked up on a unique theme this Lenten season. We're talking about Jesus versus Satan a lot, aren't we? The first week, it was Jesus' temptation, remember? Jesus going toe-to-toe with the devil as he was tempted. Then we, we have this account last week where a woman comes up to Jesus and says, my daughter is terribly, terribly possessed by a demon. And now, another one. Jesus comes face to face with this unique demon, a demon who's unable to speak. We're not told why. This is kind of a rare thing in the scriptures, but there's a demon who is mute and he makes the man that he's possessing mute. And that's the point, right? Jesus drives out the demon and all of a sudden the man's able to talk. And this is what amazes people. The guy who could not speak, now he can speak. And the people who see it, they're amazed, but they're on the fence as to how Jesus has the authority to do this. Some are convinced Jesus is driving out powers of Satan by using the power of Satan. And others just want to see more. They want to see more proof. If, if you're really from God, prove it. Do something else amazing to show us that you are from God. Jesus begins by attacking the logical fallacy that Satan would try to drive out Satan. And basically, think of it this way. 
if, if you're in terms of military conflict like what was seen halfway around the world just a few months ago, if one army is invading another nation and the nation being invaded attacks itself, our minds could, could, could run wild as to why they might try to do that. Well, maybe they're, they're going to do some horrible atrocity to themselves in secret to make the other nation look really bad, to try to convince people that the other nation is this horrible, wicked, evil, evil nation. Maybe. Even if you could try to come up with a reason, a twisted, sick reason why a nation would attack itself, that nation's already defeated. If they have to resort to such foolishness, like attacking their own people, they've already lost. They're clearly the weaker army. They would never do that unless they knew they were defeated and they were grasping at straws. It makes no sense. A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. So Jesus just uses logic to wipe away this notion that he is somehow using Satan's power to drive out Satan. But then he paints a picture using a a parable, a, a picture of an armed conflict between a strong man and a stronger man. Take a listen to it again. There's some really interesting details starting in verse 21. When a strong man fully armed, I'll just stop right there. So we're not just talking about a guy who's pumping iron all day and and maybe is skilled in combat himself. He's not just physically up to the task. He's got everything he needs. He's got proper armor. He's got proper offensive weapons. The guy is ready to go to protect his house. When a strong man fully armed guards his house, his possessions are safe. Unless... Someone stronger attacks and overpowers him. You could have the the best armor and the best weapons, and you could be pretty capable. But if someone stronger than you with equal or better armor, equal or better weapons attacks, you will lose every time. And so here Jesus paints a picture of two kingdoms at war, Satan's kingdom and God's kingdom. They're going to battle every single day. And here is Satan, this strong man, fully armed, protecting his possessions. Well, who could that be? It's a who. The scriptures say that humans are born hostile to God. The Bible uses that phrase hostile to God for a reason. It's the picture of military combatants, nations who are hostile against each other. We are born hostile to God, and if we are born hostile to God, guess whose kingdom we're born into? It's not God's. We are born the possession of Satan, the strong man. We are in his house, and he is armed and fighting to keep us in his house. And Jesus basically says, you will stay in his house unless someone stronger attacks and overpowers him. If, if that happens, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up the spoils. In other words, he robs Satan of Satan's ability to defend himself and takes those possessions back to his kingdom. How do you get into God's kingdom? Well, only if someone stronger than the devil comes and takes you to God's 
kingdom. Jesus says, make no mistake about it, he who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. Again, you you really can't understand this unless you begin to put yourself into the shoes of enemy kingdoms, kingdoms that hate each other, kingdoms that want to destroy the other. Jesus says that is the battle between God's kingdom and Satan's kingdom. And this should cause us to be a little uneasy because during this season of Lent, we are focusing on sin over and over again. That's what we're doing. We're focusing on the reality of who we are and what we're like. And when we come to grips with the fact that the sinful nature inside of us is in Satan's kingdom and that he is doing everything he can to keep it there, that is a terrifying thought. All the thoughts that you've had in the last week that have made you feel disgusting inside, they're a symptom, a symptom of that condition that's been in you from the moment you were conceived, the hostile self inside you, the things that you've done, the things that you've said. And you could say, oh, I didn't mean what I said, but in the moment you did, when you were angry, you said it, it was wrong. The things that you feel, these thoughts, these words, these actions, even these attitudes that are sinful and make us feel terrible, they flow from that sinful nature, that condition that's been in us since the moment we were conceived. And they are evidence that there is this little sinful self, hostile to God, enemy of God, possession of Satan inside us. We have this tendency to to belittle sin. (laughs) That's no big deal, especially when we see it in little kids. It's almost cute sometimes. You see a little kid with that that look on their face, like, what are you going to do about it? Right? And we say, oh, it's so cute. No, that sin is in league with Satan. It is a huge deal. It's never a little deal. The sin that is in me and the sin that is in you is an enemy of God, fighting against God, hostile to God every moment of every day. Our only hope is someone stronger than Satan. Jesus is that someone. He began his battle against Satan long before he went face to face in the desert. The moment he was conceived, he was like you and me in every way except for one. He was without sin. He never had that sinful self. He never had that enemy combatant. And every single moment of his life, from conception to the moment he died, He was fully and willingly obeying his father every single day. That obedience, day after day, was Jesus waging war against Satan. And then in a strategic stroke of genius, Satan inflicted damage that he thought meant he won. But it didn't. Because the strategic stroke of genius was not Satan's, but Jesus's. As he obeyed his father one final time, as he obeyed his father's will and allowed himself to be sacrificed for the sins of the whole world, 
You see, something amazing happened. At that moment when Jesus died, Satan thought he won, but he had actually been defeated because Jesus' innocent blood had paid for the, the sins of the whole world. When Jesus was raised from the dead, we're told in the, in the book of Romans that his resurrection means your justification and mine, that he was raised to life for our justification. It's our not guilty verdict. Now, I know that you've probably heard these things before, but connect them back to the parable. Jesus says, the strong man is guarding his house fully armed unless someone stronger comes in and takes away his armor and his weapons. When Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, that's exactly what he did. He took away Satan's armor and Satan's weapons. Satan's going to point at the things that go around inside this head of yours. And he's going to say, see, you're guilty. He's going to point at the wicked words that come out of your mouth and the things that you've done with your hands, even the things that you felt. And he's going to say, you are a wicked, evil person. And they're all lies. They're not true. Because Jesus' death means all those thoughts All those words, the actions, even the emotions, they've been forgiven. And Jesus' perfect battle against Satan, his perfect obedience, it's been given to you as a gift. And so Satan can point and he can yell and he can hoot and he can holler all he wants. He can fight to try to keep your sinful nature in his kingdom all he wants. But guess what God hears? False accusation after false accusation, after false accusation. Satan's best attacks, his armor, his weapons, they've been removed from his hands. He's got nothing. He's got nothing on you. He's got nothing on on me. Someone stronger has removed his ability to wage war on you. The victory's over. The victory is won. that too is something that you and I have a hard time understanding. If, if you were being attacked and attacked and attacked by real gunfire, by real weapons, and then you found out the battle was over, the victory had been won, can you imagine what that would feel like? Can you imagine how good that news would be That's what Jesus is talking about at the end of our text. This woman cries out, blessed is the woman who gave you birth, the one who nursed you. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Blessed is the one who hears the word of God and guards it. And we gotta be careful because when we hear the word blessed, we think someone is blessing someone else. There's a subject blessing an object, but that's not what's happening here. It's not what's happening at all. This is the same word in the Beatitudes. You know, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the meek, blessed are the, right? It's not God blessing the ones who do these certain things. It's not God blessing the one who hears his word and guards it. The word makarios in Greek, it's a feeling. It's an emotion. Think of the best way you could possibly feel. 
happy doesn't quite do it justice, but let's use the word happy for now. That the best emotion you could possibly experience, that's Macarius. Jesus says, happy is the one who hears the word of God and then guards it. Not obeys it, guards it. Why? It's the best news in the world. Satan had us in his house. He was guarding us as his possessions. Jesus came in, defeated the strong man, robbed him of his weapons, brought us back, spoils of war, into his kingdom. And because Jesus has rescued us, we are no longer vulnerable to the attacks of Satan. It's the best news in the world. And Jesus says, happy are the ones who hear the word of God and guard it as their most precious possession. You see, it's not really about what you do when you go home today. It's not about you fighting a battle to, to guard it. it. It's just you hearing the news that the war is over. The one who had been guarding you has been defeated. The one guarding you now is the Son of God. You are in safe haven. You are in God's kingdom. Guard that good news. Treat it as the most precious thing that you have. Go home happy today. Amen.